On your journey through life, you are the hero. There are times, however, when it is beneficial to have an advisor to guide you along your path. Welcome to the Smart Money Simplified Podcast with Brent Mikosh, Certified Financial Planner, Certified Investment Management Analyst, and Co-Founder of MP Advisors, LLC. In this podcast, Brent discusses some of the most important and interesting topics of the day as they relate to finance, the economy, and beyond. Now, on to the show. Welcome to the Smart Money Simplified Podcast with your host, Brent Mikosh. Brent, great to be with you again. How are you today? I'm doing great, Bill. It's always good spending time with you as well. Uh, I got back. I was at a fantastic week down in Florida uh, last week, speaking with some some leaders in the industry, people that I really care about. I think you know Brian Sweet and Brittany Anderson. Did they bring a bell for you? The names ring a bell to me, but yeah. I can't pull a face up on either one of them, yeah. Yeah, but good friends. I was able to spend time with them and, and a bunch of other uh, really visionary entrepreneurs last week, and I'm coming back charged up. We'll put it that way. Good. Good. Always, always good to be charged up. That's yeah. the way it's the way it's the way it gets done. If you want to know the truth. Absolutely. And one of the things um, that I was thinking about for us talk talking about today is uh, listen to a fantastic speaker. And he was talking about all of the different things that were occurring in the world and sort of what's the lens that we can view these things through. Mm-hmm. And, and the reality is history has always been kind of messy. But you and I were joking offline before we started recording. You know, you're looking through the headlines and it's just a lot of stuff happening in the world. And I thought it'd be really fun. And, and neither you or I know that where this is going to go just to kind of take a romp through what some of the big headlines that I pulled up just two minutes before our conversation about uh, what's happening in the world. And, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it and I'll share some of mine and we can, we can start with that. Well, okay. I'm more interested in your thoughts than mine, but like... nah, you know, you're, you're <laughs> go really ahead, good, man. And, on the table, man. <laughs> and, and they, they definitely need to be shared more with our audience for sure. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a curveball at you. King Charles, diagnosed with cancer. What do you oh, think yeah. about that? Now, just, just, just full disclosure, I live with a woman who knows more about English royalty history than any known person I've ever met in my entire life. And she can talk at length about the dynasty and the royalties and the reigns and everything else. And she's really upset about King Charles's diagnosis of some form of cancer that that is yet to be disclosed. I I'm not a big royalty guy, but I kind of feel like God needs to give King Charles a break. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I agree with that. You know, and I, I think I, I was in your camp where it's like we're Americans, man. We threw off the crown. We don't do royalty. And I had a real shift with that. And it actually happened when Will and Kate got married. Mm. And it dawned on me then that in a world where everything is disposable, moods change, there's very there's very little time spent on revering things that occurred in the past. When I watched that wedding, and we're talking now several years ago between yeah. Will and Kate, I'm like, you know, this is something really beautiful. It's history. It's culture. It's tying the nation that exists today back to several hundreds of years, you know, centuries worth no, that's of, true. of people that came before yeah. them. And, and that was a real kind of pivotal change to me. I, you know, the world's like good people, bad people. I, I have no idea. I've never met any of them. I probably won't meet any of them. But, um, and then fast forward when Queen Elizabeth died, that actually surprisingly impacted me as well. I certainly wasn't like sobbing or as some of the people in the UK I know were mm-hmm. because it wasn't that personal to me. But I'm like, wow, it's like this is a woman that, again, in a world that is full of transition, we have very little anchors that, that are not eroding, that bridged you from essentially 
immediately post-World War II to the modern day. And, and she was kind of here not only for her people in the United Kingdom, but around the world, bridging right. that gap. And then she goes away. And then now we get King Charles. And uh, yeah, was, my, my wife and I were discussing this last night. I said, man, I feel I, I to, to your point, I feel bad about this guy. I mean, he's been waiting for this his entire yes. life. Now, granted, he's had a pretty nice existence while he's waiting for right. it. Although I'm sure he's dealt with a lot more you know, intrigue and scandal and, and every every mistake is public and, and things that's that I can't imagine dealing with that kind of pressure. But now you kind of get this chance and you get to settle into this role and you get you get the diagnosis. But you know what? King Charles is not alone. How many people do we know in our lives that everything's kind of rolling along pretty good or they finally catch a break and, yep. and a diagnosis comes along? We see it all the time. And everyone everyone has somebody personally that's been impacted well, by something like this. No, it's true. And you know what? I, what I really admire the most about the way he's handled this is he's handled it publicly. Yep. And when his initial diagnosis was go was was going in saying, you know, he needed to have his prostate checked out and he needed to have a procedure done. And he said, I'm doing this because I want men to see me do it and go see their doctors. And I've forgotten what the percentage increase in men going to see their doctors was, but it was dramatic. It was right. a dramatic increase in the number of men who suddenly were like, okay, I'm going to go do that as well. It is it's a hard life to be in the public eye that often and that much and all the time and under scrutiny and then your kids go bad, but then, you know, <laughs> one of them anyway, <laughs> one, of them, one of them goes bad. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I admired him for, for, for having the courage to say, yeah, I've got this issue. And I, and I think that it's a, that, that all men should pay attention and go get something done. And, and all, a huge number of men in Britain did, as a matter of fact. I think so, too. And I think for, for those of us that are just going about our lives and, and living our normal day to day, you look up at some of these people, whether they're the, the king of England, literally, or they're celebrities or they might be the wealthy guy that's living down the street. And you think that um, somehow they're immune to life. And the answer is, is that Grim Reaper is going to come and take us all, man. And it's just a question yep. of what, what do we have? What can we do with our time here? How long do we have? Yeah. And, and it's a good reminder that everybody's got troubles, yes. which I think we forget. Sometimes we look at people whether it be King Charles or whomever it might be and think, well, they've got it easy. They've got, they, they've got a whole lot better life than I do. It's It's, you know, they don't have any troubles, right? Ain't nobody ain't got no troubles. Absolutely nobody. And I, and I think that that is one of the reasons we're here, you know, and not to get too existential on you, but I think that that's, you know, a lot of the, a lot of what occurs to us in life, you, you have success, it's temporary, you face challenges. It's either going to be the last challenge you face and it's over or, or that as well is, is, is temporary and you move on and it's, it's a big game. You know, and how do you deal yep. with it? How do you play your next hand? But uh, he's playing, a, he's playing a, a, a hand right now as a, as a praying person, a little old fashioned in that regard. Uh, I will say a prayer for him tonight, not because I have any particular affection for, for King Charles, but you know what? United Kingdom, I, I know a lot of wonderful people over there, and I'm sure that right on the heels of their queen dying, it really probably impacts them and matters to them. So I hope I hope this one resolves itself. No, I agree with you. I'm with you on that. And along those lines, speaking of, of kids with some trouble, apparently Kate is also in the hospital for an extended period of time. Yes, and we don't know why. <laughs> we don't yeah. know why. Yeah, and you've heard, you've heard either you know, some kind of significant health issue, eating disorders are being thrown out there. You don't know. But again, it's another reminder that, you know, <laughs> that, that things, particularly with kids, there can be 
issues with kids and issues with with people's personal health and everything else and it doesn't matter where you are it's it's definitely doesn't happening. matter your station in life it does nope. not matter your station in life it's true so let's move off of something a little less pop culture let's do something a little more real at least to to those of us here in arizona which is a border state uh we got two kind of big things happening in congress right now first right. Uh, congress is talking about potentially impeaching homeland security secretary mayorkas you also have excuse me, the Senate has recently passed, it's dead on arrival at the House, at least Speaker Johnson has indicated that it is, yep. but they've passed uh, a an immigration bill. And I know you are the right guy to talk to about this because, you know, in your, in your journalism background, you spent a lot of time down at the border. So do you want to talk a little bit about kind of what some of your experiences down there and, and what you've Actually, heard about? Actually, you know, it, it's really interesting. I've, I've done probably at least a dozen stories on immigration, probably more actually, now that I'm thinking about it. And I've been down to your border, <laughs> <laughs> and I grew up in Texas, and I've been down to the Texas border, Texas-Mexico border, uh, a lot as well as a reporter in both Arizona and in Texas. And it's a very real situation, and it unfortunately, Brent, has been a situation that's been brewing for a number of years. Right. And the irony is, is that I was down there covering immigration problems and crisis, if you will, during the George Bush administration, when he was allowing people to come across and facing a lot of criticism for not having much tougher enforcement. So I look at this and think, God, this just feels like uh, a, a problem that both parties have uh, refused to tackle and refused to recognize and refused to deal with. And for the life of me, I don't understand why, because as you know, you probably have been down the Nogales and down that way. And mm -hmm. it, you know, if you go into Texas and you talk to the sheriffs in the counties along the border, it's bad. It's it's fiercely bad and it's troublesome. And what makes it worse in Texas and probably the same in, in Arizona, I grew up in Texas. You know, we're used to a large Hispanic population and, and we're used to a lot of people being very bilingual. So, that it, you know, it's like... It's not like strangers coming across the border. What's upsetting is it's 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 a whole bunch of people being allowed to cross the border in flaunting the law, yeah. which is really what this is about. It's like if we are going to have policies and we are going to have laws for them to be meaningful, we have to enforce them. And if you don't enforce them, you create disrespect. And well, I, I think that's not, a, that's not a good place to go. Yeah, to your point, and I've I've got some some friends and people that I know that uh, that remain nameless, but they let's say that they they work down there on the border, and what mm -hmm. they shared with me is that you know this is not what's happening right now. This is not your migrant workers coming over to 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 pick fruit, uh, right. and I still think that argument is completely offensive both to the people coming across the border and also to us Americans saying, well, who's going to pick the fruit? And it's like, well, first of all, you know, my, my dad was cleaning toilets in the family shop when he was growing up. And I was doing a lot of that same stuff when I was growing up. So this idea that there is work beneath anyone to me, I find totally offensive. Uh, and the idea that uh, to, to the migrants that are coming up here, at least in searching for a better life, that, that they can't do anything, but the, for lack of a better term, the, the garbage work that Americans don't want to do, I think is offensive as well. So that, that notion has always offended me. But what's different now is you're not just getting these seasonal workers that are coming up. I mean, you've got people coming across, and it's not it's not uh, conspiracy theory. It's nothing else. You've got people coming over across from every single corner of the globe. 
and how they're it's it's expensive to make that journey how they're getting here how they're being supported along the way the the, the multi-billion dollar industry that has now been created or outside of moving these people and not just to get them across the border, but in terms of actual human trafficking. I mean, the United States, we have, you know, you might think that you're looking at this and, you know, if I offend people with this, I'm okay with that. But you might think that you're looking at this as well. It's a humanitarian thing to do to let people in here for a better life and they're escaping persecution from home. Okay. But is it humanitarian now that the United States is the center of probably the child trafficking trade? We're the center of the human smuggling trade. You, is, it, is it compassionate that you have every woman that not every, but many of the women that are crossing the border are getting sexually assaulted or raped or they lose their children or their families are broken up is any or, you know, they're acting as drug mules or they're indentured servants when they come across to, to, to pay to pay the, the smugglers across. Is any of this is any of this compassionate? And I would answer an emphatic no. I think it's horrific and disgusting. And the fact that we're promoting it to me is absolutely ridiculous because you're not helping America which should be the first and foremost on the, on the, uh, the minds of the, of the politicians that are allegedly there to service. You're not helping the people that are making their way here. You're putting them through a journey full of absolute hell and misery with the expectation that they're going to come here and find a pot of gold. And you're almost guaranteeing future conflicts and, and future uncertainties because they're going to get here. And if anyone's read Upton Sinclair's The Jungle, you, know, you get a wave of immigrant population that comes here and they find out that the streets are not paved with gold. That creates that creates the basis for unrest. And, uh, you know, as a person, I'll get off my soapbox here in a second, but who came to Arizona in 2006 into 2007 when everything was new and nice and the streets were clean and homeless people in the streets was exceedingly rare. When I came here from New York, the city's getting dirty. There's hundred. My I was with my son the other day, two miles from my house, drove probably 200 migrants parked in a parking lot. None mm -hmm. of this is OK. And to me, it's so unbelievably offensive that it's that I am considered a uh, a bad guy or a white supremacist or a bigot or racist or whatever I am for recognizing that this isn't good for anybody. And uh, that's my thoughts on that. Well, let me but, I, let me throw in another one yeah. for you. I, I met the longest serving governor of, Cal of Colorado so it was a gentleman named Dick Lamb. And Governor Lamb was a really interesting guy. I believe he served four terms. Uh, I think he has since passed. He was a Democrat. He was active in the civil rights movement. He marched in Montgomery along with King. Fascinating fellow who came out back 15 years ago and said, we have to get a handle on this immigration problem. Yeah. We can't allow people to just flow in because they want to be here. He said, because if the criteria is... They're coming here for a better life because their life elsewhere is bad. We need to stop because almost no country in the world has a better standard of living, has a better quality of life than we do. So we are basically committing ourselves to allow the entire world to flow in unfettered and unbothered and uncontrolled. And what is the impact that that's going to have on the environment? We can't support those people. We literally don't. You can't support them without it having a tremendous impact on the environment. So as a longtime member of the Sierra Club, he had come out and said, we have to stop uncontrolled illegal immigration because it's bad culturally and it's bad for the environment and land management. We just we can't sustain it without destroying ourselves. So I'll throw another throw another argument on the table there for you, Brent.
I think it's a good one. You know, you look at my, my great, my great, great grandparents on my father's side came through Ellis Island. And what people don't recognize is that many people were turned away back in that time, you know, they just because yes. they, just because they got here doesn't mean that they got in. And when they came here, there was a desire to embrace the culture. And I know my, my, my grandfather, who was very, very young when he came over, this is a man with an eighth grade education that could speak German, he could speak French, he could speak Ukrainian, he could speak Russian, he could <laughs> speak English. But in the house, when my father was growing up, you only spoke English because we're in America now. Right. And and I think, you know, to, to kind of close out on this, I, I, you know, I'm a person, this is not a political issue for me. I voted, I voted, I made no kind of mystery about this. I voted libertarian most of my life. Uh, partially because I'm a little disgruntled with both the major parties, quite frankly. I hear you. But but this is but this is you know this is something if if you love something, you need to protect it. If you love your family, you don't just bring in homeless people off the street to keep to sleep on your couch. You know if if you love your country, you don't just invite the entire world here, not knowing what their intentions are, and being oblivious oblivious to the fact that their intentions may not be good. Right. And so the, the immigration issue, I think, is absolutely massive. But to people that think, well, it's compassionate to put these migrants th through the, the process of coming here and then setting them up with, you know, whatever the benefits are and shipping them around the country in the interior, there's nothing compassionate about this. You're setting not only the migrants themselves up for a world of misery, but you're setting up the people whose, whose, whose communities are being massively impacted by this influx of people. I think Agreed. it's... Um, I think it's a key issue, and and I hope that uh, it doesn't doesn't look based on what Congress passed or or Senate rather passed Congress its DOA, but uh, doesn't look like they have any intention of that. What the end game is and where they're trying to go with it, who the hell knows? But <laughs> anyway, I'll, you know that's 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 my that's my sense on that one, for sure. You know, I I want to bring up something though too, um, it, it, different. I'm gonna, yeah. I want to go in a totally different direction Let's for do you. It. Because uh, earlier today I was on LinkedIn and you're very active on LinkedIn as anybody yep. who follows you knows. And um, I happen to be a huge, huge fan of Anthony Robbins. So I've never been to a Tony Robbins seminar or never been to anything and seen him in person. I have listened to cassette tapes. Let's take it back. <laughs> Technology back a little while. I've listened to cassette tapes on, on, on Tony Robbins. I've got books here on him. I always admired him and liked him. And the thing that you put up today where he talked about, we are not meant to just sit back at our desk of success and get fat. I thought, boy, that's true. You have to remain hungry in order to grow. You have to be motivated to move forward in order to grow because that is what we were meant for. And it's my long way of saying thanks for posting that because uh, I, I, it, was, it, was, it was really good to hear him talk. Well, I'll give you my Tony Robbins. I've got a couple of Tony Robbins stories. First one, I was in college and uh, you know I was in college from, from 1991 to 1995 to, to give you a little time frame. And this was back when late night TV, you had the Tony Rob Robbins personal power infomercial. Yes, that's like right. 30 yeah. minutes. I was sitting there one night and this thing came on, and I think I was a sophomore in college, and it was uh, Tony Robbins' personal power, 30 days to transform your life, and you had the bundle of cassette tapes that they would send yes, you. Yes, that's the, that's the, those are the cassettes I listened to. Same thing. Yes. Yeah, and, and so I'm not going to lie to you. I, I got back from the bars with some friends last night. wasn't 21 yet, but, you know, things things kind of work out the way uh, they do know, in college. Okay. And I saw this thing, and I'm, I'm sitting up eating mac and cheese. And I'm like, man, this guy makes sense. And so on the spot, I, I ordered the Tony Robbins personal power and, and first went through that back then. 
And I will say that it, that it that it made a positive Im impact on my life. And fast forward several years, and yeah, you kind of would come in contact with stuff. Read a few of his books. I do think he's got two books out there on money. Apparently, he's doing a third. I do think his investment books are fantastic. I think that there's. I agree with about eighty percent of it. There's about twenty percent that I would love to have that debate with him if I ever had the opportunity. Yeah. But the vast majority of it, I think, I think they're. I've given those books to clients to give their kids to learn about money. I think they're fantastic. But twenty nineteen. I went to, it was almost as a lark with my wife. We went with, it was a three-day deal. It was called, um, I forget what it was, but it was a three-day Tony Robbins seminar. And I bought two tickets for my wife and I, and we did like a long weekend in LA. This thing was out in LA. And that's like the rah-rah dancing, your hands in the air. It's not really my wife and I, but I got to tell you, we had an absolute <laughs> blast. We had an absolute <laughs> blast. And I will say this, that, that, that during those three, Two and a half, you know, three days of of really, it's 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 an amazing opportunity because you're really thinking about what you're trying to create in your life and what you're trying to do and where you failed in the past and was it failure or can you reframe it as success? But there were some massively limiting beliefs that I had about myself and what was possible that yes. completely was able to rewire and, and and now it takes it takes you know time and pressure and effort to do that, but that was that was really significant and it was significant enough that I went to my second one in summer of 2019. So about three months later, I went to something he put on in Vegas at the time called Business Mastery. And if you recall in 2019, everything's looking real good. You know, markets are hitting all-time highs in my business and you know the world's looking pretty peaceful and stable. We had no idea what was coming in 2020. And I remember Tony gets up there on stage and basically is saying that, you know, right now it's it's good times, but winter is coming. You need to be prepared for winter. I remember listening to that being like, there's nothing really on the horizon that's going to bring a potential uh, winter. But he had you yelling and screaming, winter is my season, you know, <laughs> like, like where you're really going to expand and grow. <laughs> and what happens in 2020? Well, COVID hits and everybody's like, you know, what happens? And I will tell you, in terms of growth, 2020 was percentage wise the most significant year of growth I ever had in my business. Because literally when this thing hit, I started with terror. I was terrified immediately. Like, oh my gosh, and market S&P went down 33% in three weeks. Oh, yeah. Clients are freaked out. Everybody's, everybody's concerned about what's happening. But I was able to flip that switch and think about it. It's like, all right, for the first time in my career, I've got a captive audience. I have people at home and no one expected you to have answers. They just wanted to talk. And that door was open to talk to people and connect with them in a way that was impossible before COVID hit. And so COVID, I, I still deal with a lot of anger with how it was handled from a public, public policy standpoint, if I'm, being, if I'm being you know very accurate about that or honest about that. Right. But from a standpoint from business, it was an explosive year and it, it opened up so many doors for me and created so many opportunities. So was it a great year or a terrible year? You know, it was a little bit of both. Um, but but the opportunity was there. So I, I credit I credit him with a lot of that in terms of the things that he puts out there in the world to allow people to go and change their own mind and, and, and create their own mindset. And what you do learn through that process is you can look at something in your life that you think was very challenging or in some cases even awful. You flip that lens and reframe it and it becomes just an incredible learning experience that can propel you to new heights. So I'm glad you got something out of that for sure. Well, I think and that, you know what? I, I, I want to encourage your listeners to go back and listen to the interview with Andrew Sosman, uh, Recovery Unplugged. Yes. Because that whole Holy mackerel. enterprise came about as a result of saying something in a car with some to somebody during a Tony Robbins yeah. event. You know, and they were like, yeah. what are you going to do? When are you going to do it? How are you going to do it? And it was like immediately he found his purpose 
and there wouldn't be a recovery unplugged nope. without nope. it. Yeah, if anybody listens to this and does not has has not listened to Andrew Sosen, go back yeah. and listen to that because we when we when we recorded that, I knew it was going to be a good, good conversation because we spoke offline prior to that. But I had goosebumps so many times. That was that was such a privilege and a blessing to be able to spend that time with him and hear his story and what he's great. doing now to help the world. It's incredible. Great. Go back and listen to that one, people. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Definitely. Definitely. But I'll, you know, close with Tony and I had, had a, if some people in my life that, that I care about, but when I was, you know, it's 2019, I went to two of these things and they're not cheap. You know, you're, you're spending some cash yeah. to do that. And I had a couple people that, that, uh, that, that had some, you know, comments about that, but you know, Hey man, it, 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 it works. <laughs> it, it does work. You know, it's the attitude shift. It's the mind shift. And what, what can you, can you, can you control and what can't you control? And, and uh, what are ways you can be fearless in your life and take and take a big leap forward? And how can you reframe the past so that it serves you rather than holds you back? And those are all real things. Those are all real things. And my favorite, my favorite saying that I keep remembering all the time is, if not now, when? Exactly. Exactly. If not now, when? Yeah. Yeah. Great stuff. Yeah. So what else? What do you, what else do you think is happening in the world? We'll cover one more good story today before we, before we sign off until next time. You know, I, it's like, I want to ask you about this. I'm, I'm going to come to you as an ad, a financial advisor on yeah. this one because there is an enormous amount of uncertainty in the world now. One of the things that I learned during my time covering business and financial news in the markets is that markets abhor only one thing, and that is uncertainty. They don't mind yeah. volatility. That's an opportunity. They don't, there are lots of things that don't bother them. But uncertainty unnerves markets. What's your perspective on where we are right now and and how what are you telling your clients i think that we are at if you at least from my perspective if i come back to clients and say hey everything's great don't worry about it the world's completely as it always has been that's really just not true we, I, I believe that we're at a historical inflection point i would have lost respect for you if you <laughs> yeah i mean it's, it's it's just not true i mean you you have there are long cycles uh, we do appear to be at the end of a long cycle. Challenging things can tend to happen at the end of these long cycles. And you can go through, it's not just one school of economics. You can go all the way back to the Roman Empire and you can find, you know, long cycles tend to last 80 or 90 years. And usually there's a regime change, some kind of massive shift that occurs in the world at the end of that. And we can go back and look at it in this country. You know, 80 years ago, where were we? We were in the early 1940s. Uh, World War II was happening. The the UK at the time was still the dominant superpower in the planet. We were the economic power, but the UK was the dominant political superpower. Um, you go back to the 1860s. You had obviously the Civil War. You had you had a lot of unrest leading to the potential breakup and loss of the Union. You go back 80 years before that, and you had the Revolutionary War, and in the 1780s at that point. And and even if you go back, it's interesting. You read like. Go back in the Old Testament of the Bible, it tends to be 80-year cycles. You had that through the Roman Empire, 80-year cycles. Like history never matches, it never repeats. And I don't know if you can use those long cycles to predict anything, but human nature and history does rhyme. And hmm. we are at the end of one of these cycles. Now, a uh, phenomenal book called The Fourth Turning, which was uh, written in the late 1990s. This book got a lot of press when COVID hit because at the time, 1990s, really good. Everything's ripping and doing great. And and uh, there, what could potentially happen. And what he was saying in this book was that we will hit at some point, we'll hit a crisis. And usually there's crisis about 20 years of those cycles, 20, you know, 20 years, maybe a little bit more. You're in the winter season at that point, and it culminates into something. And, um, you know, we, we didn't see any that could be a possibility in the late 1990s. 
then you had obviously 9-11, which changed the trajectory of things happened not that long after. Then you had obviously the financial crisis in 2008, which which changed the way that the that the government was viewed in terms of how we interacted with the economy, what the Federal mm -hmm. Reserve's role was and everything else. Then you had COVID. And now, we've got, you know, so you've got a lot. And what's interesting is back in that book in the 1990s, what he said was it was two guys, Strauss and um, I forget the other person's name. But they're saying, like, something will come. Will it be a pandemic? Will it be a global war? Will it be a financial crisis? Well, it's kind of been all of the above. Like, we've really been living in the last two decades now of, of unprecedented times. And so some we're moving towards something. There's no question about that. What that looks like coming out of it, I don't know. I, I believe in the, you know, uh, I've always said to people that this is a, and I, I'll, I will get to answer your question because I know I'm, I'm doing a big build up here. The business that I am in is fundamentally an optimistic business. If I hear a lot of questions from people about their throw up these worst case scenarios, and I can paint those all day long as well. But the reality is if that worst case scenario occurs, whatever it might be, then none of this matters what we're doing. You know, you're either vaporized if a nuke goes off or you're, mm. you know, you're fighting with sticks and, and you're trading 22 or something like that. I don't believe I don't believe that. And part of that comes from the fact when I took that full year off and traveled, I went to some pretty desperate places during desperate times. I spent a bunch of time in Zimbabwe. And this was when the farmers, the 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 farmer, the white farmers were being pushed off their land and, and their farms were being attacked. and They were getting macheted up and shot with 20, 30 rounds of AK. And somehow and the economy was in free fall. You know, was, this is the two, three hundred thousand percent inflation that they were experiencing at that time. Somehow commerce people, they find a way to keep it going. You know, in, in the book I wrote, which I've never really plugged on this on this podcast, but I write about that, that somehow it's either it's religion and it's commerce that somehow keep driving people forward as a way to push back, you know, what, what the inevitable annihilation that's going to that's going to meet us all. And, and so I think that 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 if we have some kind of a massive change that occurs, and I think something will, if we do hit a massive big inflection point, and I think we will, there are a couple constants in that. There will be incredible new ideas that will come out of that to innovate, hopefully make people's lives better. There will be incredible opportunities to take the ball that's been handed you and move th forward through what, whatever come next. There will be some destruction along the way that's, that's, that's true, but the idea of to your point, in terms of a lot of fear and concern, the default position that many clients will go to or people that I speak with that are not clients that will go to saying, you know what, I've had some real good gains. 2023 was great. I'm going to sell everything and I'm going to move to cash or I can buy some short-term treasuries. They're going to yield me 5% and everything's fine. I said, okay, that's fine. You can definitely do that. And I think that's a, that's a, a very smart decision to make with a portion of your money. But if that's what you're betting your entire future, 5, 10, 20, 25 years down the road, you're betting that the federal government is going to do the right thing for you because they're managing they're managing the treasuries, the treasury basically and spending. Mm -hmm. You're betting that the Federal Reserve is going to do the right thing for you because they're managing the value of the currency. History has shown the last hundred years, the Federal Reserve is 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 lost about ninety is as the dollar's lost about ninety eight percent of its value because of mismanagement by the Fed. You know, the federal government has rolled up now thirty four trillion dollars worth of debt and with no end in sight. I don't trust either of those players to do the best thing for me. I do trust the the opportunity and the ability to take ownership in a great idea or a great product or a great service. I mean, now, now I'll steal actually from Tony Robbins on this. Everybody's got this iPhone in their in their pocket, you know, and paying a ton of subscription fees to Apple. But you're a consumer at that point. But you own some Apple stock, you're an owner. You know, so so there's an there's an ability to invest in 
a lot of these great creative ideas that that will continue even if there's massive fits and starts to move the ball forward. Now, to your point, if there are major issues that need to be addressed, really in under five years, you got to make sure you're positioned where you have at least some lower volatility or lower risk assets to to uh, to keep your you know keep the powder dry for lack of a better term. Make sure that your basic needs are met. You know the the foundation of any plan is what's going to get you through a couple of years if, if things go really sideways while, while you figure things out from there. And that, that I think is, is the number one question, but fundamentally I, I, you know, when, when things, when unrealities persist for a long period of, of time, reality will always win. We have a lot of unrealities that are persisting in this country right now. And they will, it, it, it will be, there will be a day of, of where that is going to have to be reconciled. What it looks like. I have no idea but it will reconcile itself at some point. It's so a you long would love, answer to your question. but It's a long answer to the question, but it's a pretty good answer, and it's a thoughtful answer, which is really all I can ask for. So in terms of folks who are listening to this, are you, are you suggesting the old defensive play, as it were? If you're really nervous, if you're really uncomfortable, you don't want to go totally to cash. But I, I, to your point, I think, and don't don't anybody take this as investment advice, but I think everyone's tolerance is a little bit different. And the, the, one of my yes. main jobs, and you know, people people look, and I can talk about the investments and and drilling the numbers and all this other stuff all day long. But honestly, one of my main jobs is people in, keeping people in the game, and that's that's one of my main jobs. And so, for one person, where you know they they got enormous amount of cash flow coming in, it's stable. What occurs with their investments on a day-to-day -day basis, maybe not that big of a concern. You might be able to do some different things for them. For other people, if they're going to panic or or make a decision that may not be the best thing for them in the future, at the first twenty percent decline, which probably is going to happen almost every year at some point. You know, every year gives you about ten to yeah, fifteen. We should all be decline. used to the idea of a twenty percent decline. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty, pretty typical. I mean, it really should be. Then, what's the number that you need in something that's with that's safe and liquid that you can get to to where you don't care what the riskier bucket is doing? Yeah. So, I think you know, ultimately, safe bucket, emergency fund assets that aren't going to grow and really help you in the long term, but they're going to meet your immediate need if something happens. Intermediate, hopefully, generate some pretty good income for you, offer an opportunity for growth, and then I think that there is a sleeve for um, for where you might take a lot a lot more risk in that very small sleeve of assets, knowing that three of the five might completely fail, one might break even, but the one that goes really is going to go, and it's going to make up for the other for the four that maybe didn't perform the way that you hoped. So, the, and so there there is you know some of the old adages about time for sure, but there's also some of the old out, out adages about about making sure you're properly allocated in in you know, multiple different asset classes. And it's and it's also being smart about the things you can't control. You know, <laughs> you, 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 there are true. things that you can't control for sure. No, there are always, always things you can't control. Absolutely. Listen, this is a really great conversation, and I could keep talking to you for a long time. <laughs> that, that, this is our problem. We always do. Fact, <laughs> we get on for these things, and we want to talk forever. For people who want to continue the conversation with you, though, however, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, social media, the the one platform we're on, we like you said, we're pretty active on that is LinkedIn. Uh, you can just search me out there. Phone number here is uh, 602-255-0555. Either myself or a member of the team will will pick that up. Our website is either smartmoneysimplified.com or mpadvisorsaz.com. And on that, you find pretty much every conceivable way to reach us. But uh, but this is the stuff that I love chatting with with people. You know, it's it's um, 
it, it's it's trying to make sense of of a very uh chaotic world but you know what the, the world was chaotic yesterday it's chaotic today it's going to be chaotic tomorrow it's part of the human experience i think what we're we've been through some stuff as i mentioned in the last 20 years that that were unique to the prior 40 but mm -hmm. not unique in human yeah. history you know we, we we there was a golden era from world war ii to i would put it about 2000 where uh where just every problem that generally existed was very far from our shores and we're just at a point right now where some of it's getting a little closer no. And, you know, reach out to Brent. He'll talk to you. <laughs> I, I love having these conversations. I love it. I, I promise you that. It's always a good conversation. Thanks, Brent. For those of you who are listening to this and who are not subscribers, my only question to you is what you should be. Hit the subscribe button. That way you won't ever miss another episode. When Brent puts it out, you'll be notified. If you like it, tell people about it. Share it with other people. Get the word out about this podcast. He does this all the time. You really don't want to miss it. And go back and listen to some of his prior podcasts because his conversations with people are absolutely fantastic. And I just would encourage you to do that. On behalf of Brent and everybody at MP Advisors, I'm his producer, Bill Tucker, wishing you a great day and reminding you to go out and make today a great day. Or not. It's your choice. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of Smart Money Simplified Podcast. Have any questions about topics covered during the show? Visit www.smartmoneysimplified.com or give us a call at 602-255-0555. Don't forget to click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the hosts and or guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Raymond James Financial Services Incorporated. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your individual situation. Securities are offered through Raymond James Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA, and SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors Incorporated, MP Advisors, LLC, is not a broker slash dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services.